world that I end up being in your pulpit? Well, that comes through the fact that uh, I've had coffee with Dr. Height on numerous occasions at Dynamite Coffee. He introduced me to your pastor, Anthony, and we have had uh, a couple of sessions uh, over coffee there as well. And in talking to both of these men, I realized that God is doing something very unusual in this church. Um, it is obvious that you are seeking him. Uh, it's obvious that you're willing to take risks in his name and for the body of Christ. And the more I heard about it, the more in my heart I said, I'd like to kind of see what that's like. Well, Anthony did meet with me over another cup of coffee and said, look, I'm going on sabbatical. Would you be interested in helping us out any in filling the pulpit while I'm gone? And I said, well, sure, just get me the dates and we'll work something out. And he sent me the dates. And being a pastor and knowing the importance of a sabbatical and sometimes how difficult it is to get some sense of continuity, I said, well, is it all right if I do four? And he actually said yes, which I thought was pretty brave of him. Uh, so here I am this morning, the first of four messages from the book of First Peter, and it truly is a, a privilege to be with uh, Valley Hope Church. Uh, before I even get into that, though, I'm doing a little book blurb. I don't normally do this, but sometimes in preparing a message, a book does come to my mind, and this one is called The Benedict Option. It's written by name a fellow, Rod Drewer, and he is a Christian writer who has a very prescient grasp of what it means to be an evangelical Christian in a post-Christian world. And in this book, he describes the importance of the church family, of community. Uh, I would think of it almost as a modern version of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in Germany, Life Together, if any of you are familiar with that. If you're not, that's a good one to read too. But I encourage you to uh, check this out. You can get copies uh, through Amazon on internet or borrow one from somebody. I'll be glad to lend this one if you bring it back. But uh, some wonderful points about what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ in 21st century post-Christian society. And we are indeed in that kind of society, in case you hadn't noticed. If, if you hadn't, that means you're not watching the news, and for that I'm probably pretty grateful. Maybe that's best that you don't. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. The section I want to be dealing with is verses 1 through 12, but particularly verses 9 and 10. And I want to begin this message simply by telling you, you are all really weird. You are. Now, I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm not talking about the family in front of you or somebody behind you. I'm talking about each one of you. Every one of you in this building is weird. Now, it is kind of rude, I think, for a pastor in his first message to start out by talking to the congregation that way. And I'm not a mind reader, but I have a feeling that there are a good many of you who are already thinking to yourselves, I know you wouldn't admit it because you're too nice. You'd be thinking, well, bud, you're kind of weird yourself, standing up there with your bald head and gray beard and suit. What makes you think you're not weird too? Well, you're right. 
I'm every bit as weird as you are. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about in this passage from 1 Peter. The verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let us once again pray. Father, this is your word. It is not magical, but it is sacred and inspired. And we know that it has power. But we also know we cannot access that without your Holy Spirit working in our minds and hearts. So take this truth that you have preserved through the ages for our benefit and apply it to our hearts and minds today. In Christ's name, amen. In addition to everybody in this room being weird, we all have a sense that we want to belong. We want to feel like we belong with a particular group of people or a particular geographical area, and there are times where we don't feel that. Usually it's because there's some kind of a relocation. You've moved to a new place, you've moved to a new house, you've moved to a new neighborhood, but all of a sudden the people you were used to seeing, you're not seeing anymore. And you have a sense that you're really not belonging just yet, and it's unsettling. It's just part of being human. We have to feel connected in some way. And also, we can feel that we don't belong in a spiritual sense, where something is going on in our lives, our hearts, our emotions, that we really don't know what's causing it, but we know we're unsettled. We're not at peace. We're not content. Something is out of whack. It's not fitting together but we want to have that sense of belonging spiritually in relationship with God as well as with other people. That's why Peter has written this letter to the early church. In the first chapter, which I'm not going to go into in detail this morning, he has described what it means to be a Christian and how Jesus Christ has done particular things for them in his life, his death, his resurrection, the grace of God, the salvation that comes about through faith in Jesus Christ, all of that is outlined in chapter 1. We also find out in that first chapter of this book that these Christians are suffering persecution. In their own culture, they are having a hard go of it. Some are coming from very strict Jewish backgrounds, And the rabbis have turned against them and thrown them out of the synagogues. They're no longer part of a community that they had been for generations. 
Others are Gentiles, non-Jews, who have heard the gospel and have embraced Christ as the Lord and Savior. They have turned away from idols. They've turned away from a very wild way of living, a very self-centered way of living. They're striving to identify with these Jews who have become Christians. They are themselves Gentiles who have been Christians, and the culture around them is antagonistic to the nth degree. And they're being persecuted. They're suffering. This is not just emotional suffering. It's not just the loss of a job or a teaching position because of belief. But this is suffering that is physical, being taken out and beaten. Something that our Christian friends in China understand very well. Fortunately, we're not there yet. But that was going on in the early church. And Peter's writing to them saying, I want you to know I understand. And believe me, you do belong. Now, when you and I, or anyone, goes through persecution, we've got a choice of two things we can do. We can either come together and support each other and care for one another and work together as a unit, or we can get isolated. We can pull back. We can say, no, no, I I don't like this. I I don't like to hurt. I'm just going to kind of get out of this. That's the wrong decision. But that's the choice we have when things are not going well in our lives, when we feel that we don't belong, when we feel that we're under attack. Don't isolate, but come together. Gather your Christian friends. Pray together. Work through it as a team, as a body, as a unit. And that's what Peter is urging in that first chapter. Remember what Christ has done for you and stay together. Be the people of God. And now we get to chapter 2, and this paragraph that I'm going to look at, particularly this morning, Peter reminds them of who they are in Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of who they are because they're from Jerusalem or Antioch or Rome or somewhere in Turkey or somewhere further away. It's who they are in Jesus Christ. And in that passage, he tells us we have a very unique Identity. That's what makes us weird. We have the identity because we are a chosen people. Now that has a lot of meaning to it. It means that this has not just happened by chance. It's not a preference. It's not just an offhanded choice you and I have made. But we have been chosen by an action of God to be his people. Let that sink in. If that doesn't make you special, you've got to meditate on that until you realize what that means. God, in his mercy, has chosen you to be his son and his daughter. Incredible. And if ever you struggle with a sense of self-worth, if ever you struggle with an identity of who are you, this is bedrock stuff. To get this firmly planted in your conscience and in your heart, that you have been chosen by God and you are indeed very weird because of that and special, unique, because God has done this deliberately. He knows you by name. He knew you before you were born. He understands your thoughts. Go back and look at Psalm 139. Indeed, this is a magnificent God who has chosen you deliberately. 
Then second, Peter tells us, not only are we a chosen people, but we are a royal priesthood. Now that may sound a little strange, particularly for us in America where we're not all that familiar with royalty and all that that involves, but it is again an amazing phrase. First of all, we are under authority. We're chosen by God, but we're under his authority as king. It's not a democracy. He is the king and he is the one who has chosen and he is the one who has appointed us himself to be a priesthood. Now you remember what the, the duties of a priest were in the Old Testament. The priest was the one appointed by God from the tribe of Levi to represent the people to God. The people would come, confess their sins, a sacrifice would be offered, and the sins would be forgiven looking ahead, unknown to them, but looking ahead to the sacrifice that Christ was going to make. So being a royal priesthood means that God has appointed you and me, and he's given us a task to do. And that task is to represent the people around us to God. Do you understand what that means? It means that it's not just Christians you're representing to him. You're just not interceding on behalf of friends and those in your church family. But it means that you are a royal priesthood and your job is to relate other people to God through Jesus Christ. People who do not know him. To say, I understand what's happening in your life. I sense what's going on. I have something that I think will help. May I introduce you to the God that I worship and that I serve? And you lift them up in prayer and in sacrificial time to identify with them and to introduce them to this wonderful God who truly loves them if they would only believe it. You're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We are also a holy nation. In other words, we are in this together with God. A nation is a group of people who identify together as a unit. It has boundaries, and we identify as the church of Jesus Christ. That is the nation that goes across all geographical barriers. It goes across all ethnic barriers. It goes across all age groups, all educational groups, everything. We are a holy nation, and we are working together with Asians and Africans and Europeans and Americans to bear witness to who Jesus Christ is and what he can do in individual hearts and how that can change the world. That's who we are. Now what do we do? If it is established that we have this identity, this weirdness that is ours in Christ, that's wonderful. But it doesn't end there. That just gets us onto the race course. Then it's left for us to do the things that a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation are supposed to do. And Peter is very specific about this. I'm going to read to you just the first part of chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation.'" 
now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good works and glorify God on the day he visits us. So what we are to do is not to become famous, not to become rich, not to become powerful. Those things may happen. That's in the Lord's hands. But we are to live a life that is so different from the culture around us that people will come to us and say, what is it? What is it you've got? Why don't you do this, this, and this? Why don't you hold a grudge? Why don't you talk about people this way? How is it that you have this standard in your life? This is what we are to do as the people of God, to put these things aside, these things that are natural desires of our old nature, that are part of being human, but they must be put away because we belong to Christ, and He has given us a new nature. And our way of living, our way of speaking, our attitudes, our jokes, where we go, all testifies to the people who watch us, we're weird. We're different because we are in love with Jesus Christ. And because of that, we live this way. And it's interesting to me about the desires part. Abstain from sinful desires. It's not just actions, but it's a heart attitude. It's what you think when you're by yourself. And even if you're praying for someone, what that prayer is like. It's hard to forgive people that have hurt you. It's hard to pray that God would bless them. But that's part of what it means to be this people he has called out to live for him. So go out and do it, right? You can't. I can't. It can only be done in the power of Jesus Christ. It can only be done because you have a daily walk with him and you are growing deeper and wider in your knowledge and love of him and how he has called you to be his own. It cannot be done in our own strength. We cannot make up our minds, I will be like this. It means getting down on our knees and in the quiet of a part of the day, we can say, Lord, help me. That's a prayer he will always answer. You may ask a lot of things for a lot of other people, but when you come to the point of saying, Lord, help me live for you, he always answers that. That's what he wants. That's what he loves to hear. I'm going to read a passage to you from the writings of Paul, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's where our power comes, to live the life of the weird people of Jesus Christ. Chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation, and keep coming to Jesus. He is our identity. He is our source of power. He is where we belong. So regardless of outward circumstances, regardless of buildings or no buildings, regardless of jobs or no jobs, we belong to Jesus Christ. And when that is right, the rest will fall into place. Others cannot understand that. You can't try to explain it. In our culture especially, you can only live it. Of course, speak when you must. But people are watching. They've heard a lot of talk. They've heard a lot of cheap words. They're watching. Jesus put it very succinctly. You know a tree by its fruit. Not because it says it's an apple tree, but because it bears apples. People will know you are a Christian, that you are different, that you are something unusual and you are attractive because of the way you live. And the way you live says, I worship Jesus Christ. This is who we really are as individuals and as a church. Thank God. Thank God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for choosing us. We know we did nothing to deserve it. It can't be earned. And you've given us this special identity that is so dear. Help us never to forget. Help us by your Spirit to continue to love you and deepen our relationship with you, to dwell on your word, to feed on your word, and to continue to adjust our lives that we will be winsome people of God to a watching world. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.